Hello, everyone, and welcome to McGill Cares webcast series, Supporting Family and Informal Caregivers. I'm Claire Webster, a former caregiver, certified dementia care consultant, and founder of McGill University's Dementia Education Program. I work with a dynamic team of leading healthcare professionals to oversee the program, who include Dr. José Marais from the Division of Geriatric Medicine, and Dr. Serge Gauthier, Professor Emeritus, formerly of the McGill University Research Center for Studies in Aging. McGill Cares is supported by the Amelia Saputo Community Outreach for Dementia Care. I would just like to take a moment to tell you that the McGill Dementia Education Program offers a comprehensive range of free resources to educate and support persons living with dementia, family and informal care partners, healthcare professionals, medical students, and the public at large. One of our most important resources is our Dementia Companion Guide, which can be downloaded for free and is currently available in 10 different languages. Dementia doesn't discriminate and neither do we. So we are uh, working on developing more and more languages. So um, printed copies can be, can be obtained uh, on Amazon uh, at a cost of $20 and it goes to support our program. So I'm very excited to welcome uh, my guest today, Lucy Baralek. Uh, she's also the host of Caring Conversations, which is a virtual support program. Uh, you can see virtual, um, you can see Caring Conversations on our website. And Lucy is here today to discuss hygiene and dementia. So Lucy Baralek, uh, Master of Social Work, is a social gerontology consultant for the CIUS West Central Montreal and a graduate of the McGill University School of Social Work, where she is also a liaison supervisor. Ms. Baralek has developed evidence-based training for seniors and caregivers, and she lectures in the field of social gerontology and knowledge transfer. She facilitates Dear Lucy, an online show about caregiving funded by the WellMed Foundation in the United States. And she founded and for many years managed the Caregiver Support Center at the CLSC René Cassin, a multi-service respite center for family and informal caregivers. Ms. Baralek received the Queen's Jubilee Award for her role in developing a national coalition to support caregivers across Canada. So today, Lucy and I are going to revisit a topic that uh, Lucy just addressed on Caring Conversations. So you can go back and, and see that on our website, uh, because we know it's something that most people who are supporting someone who's living with dementia will eventually encounter. Um, you know, somebody with, with dementia may refuse personal daily care, and Lucy's here to provide uh, tips for caregivers when faced with those situations. Welcome to McGill Cares. Thank you so much, Claire. Very happy to be here. Well, for me, you are honestly one of the pioneers in caregiving, um, you know, not only in Quebec, but in Canada. So it's really an honor to always have you uh, working with our program because you have such tremendous knowledge uh, to share with people. Thank you for that. But I do want to tell you, I know you're aware of it, that I was a caregiver for my mother for over 10 years. So I walked in the caregiver's shoes, for sure. Well, that's what's amazing. You're not only bringing your, your professional experience, but you also have your, your, your personal journey to share. Definitely. So, so let's talk about hygiene and dementia. Um, the first question I'm going to ask you is let's outline what activities we're talking about when we speak of personal daily care. Right. Well, obviously, we're talking about bathing, dressing, 
oral care, hair care, foot care, all the things that we do on a daily basis that are so important. And not only for to feel better, but hygiene and health. So why do people with dementia sometimes resist these activities? You know, what might be going on with them? Like, for example, we often hear about people that no longer want to take a shower, uh, change their clothes. So, so what's going on? Well, I think it's really important. First of all, I just want to say that this is one of the most difficult things for caregivers to manage. Um, besides the dementia and uh, memory loss, but daily activities of hygiene like that, when somebody is resisting, it's frustrating. You can become very angry. Um, and many times you don't know what to do. But let's go back to dementia. I mean, it's difficult because what is dementia? You know, it affects the brain. It affects memory, uh, thinking, problem solving, language. There's mood changes, reduced ability to perform everyday activities. So I think it's so important to focus in on that, to recognize that this particular person is not able and maybe not willing to do these activities because of the brain damage that they are dealing with at this time. And I think we can also look at really what's happening, what's going on with this person. So many times caregivers think, okay, they're, they're difficult to manage, but they might have a pain that you're not even aware of. And they're not even able to explain to you. Here you want to take them to a shower and they have this pain that they can't even tell you. It hurts me. Um, maybe they can't understand what you're even asking them to do. So they're, they're really frustrated themselves. Um, and for those who are in the beginning stages of their uh, dementia, maybe they feel like, you know, you're making them do something that they really don't want to do. Uh, or they feel that you're talking down to them, or they're misinterpreting the situation. The other thing that also is important to take into consideration, they could be tired, they could be hungry, they might need to go to the bathroom. There's so many reasons why a person with dementia refuses their daily care activities. And that's very, really very important to keep in mind. So as the, as the disease progresses, I think what what people don't um, maybe may, may not realize it's also it changes a lot in terms of their communication skills, right? So as you mentioned before, they may they may be feeling other like pain or other sensations, but they're just not able to properly verbalize it, right? And 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 so I think what I hear from families oftentimes too is if a person doesn't want to do something, they're saying, oh, they're just being lazy, right? But in fact, they're not being lazy. You know, we, we were even hear about it where somebody says, I remember my mom, you know, she wasn't cooking anymore. And, you know, she would say, well, I just don't feel like it. But it's not because she really didn't feel like it. It's because she did not know how, right? Exactly. So, right? Exactly. And because it's a progressive disease, what they might have been able to do before, they can't do any longer. So, you know, they may have been able to brush their own teeth before or even assist in the shower and all of a sudden they can. It's because they probably don't remember how to do it. The other thing we have to take into consideration is, you know, sensory perception also. 
as we age, it's normal. You know, our hearing, our eyesight could be uh, affected, the vision. I mean, these are all things that really need to be taken to think about that. They might not be able, like, for example, they might go into the bathroom. You want them to get undressed quickly. They look in the mirror. They don't recognize themselves. They get frightened. All of a sudden, they're, get me out of here. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. So you look at them at their, you know, they're difficult. Um, they might not hear what you said. As I said before, they can't even hear what you're saying. Believe it or not, even smell has um, a certain effect on a person. Sometimes smells can make us feel very comfortable, but sometimes smells can make us feel really uncomfortable. So these are all the things as, as we're going to be talking, the tips to bathing, it does involve sensory perception as well. So in addition to the sensory, the changes that happen are just really like even using our hands, right? Like, you know, maybe they can go into a shower and they don't even know how to turn on the shower, the knobs anymore. They don't know how to unbutton their clothes or how to use a razor, right? So maybe you could give us an example. There's there's so many changes that take place, right? In terms of just using, having our ability to use our hands and, and, and think mm. about what we're doing. Well, as I said, we have to go back. That's why I started off with dementia. We have to go back to dementia to recognize that this, is per, this person is not doing this on purpose. They're behaving this way because of the disease. All right. So all the things that you're saying, yes, they have no idea how to turn on the tap. You put the brush, toothbrush in their hands, but they don't know what to do with it. Do you brush your teeth? They don't know. I think before we go into like the tips things, I really want to go to talk about, you know, it takes a lot of patience, creativity, and empathy to mm -hmm. start this. So what I want to say is that you know, you have to have the ability to step outside your personal needs and logic to understand why a certain behavior is ha actually happening, you know? So it's not easy. So when I say to caregivers, when it comes to daily care, especially uh, when it's showers, which do not have to be done every single day, okay? These people are not running marathons. Uh, they're sponge bathing. We can talk a little bit more about that. Um, so what I want to say is that when I say that needs patience, you really need to put this into your schedule. You have to make sure that you have time and energy to get this task done. Okay. So if you feel that you're not in the mood that day and you just can't go through that, leave the shower or whatever other activity you want to do at a different time. You know, you need to be prepared that things may not work out the way you wish. So again, you need to be patient. It's important to use clear words. It's important to organize yourself. And why am I saying this? Because I went through this myself. It wasn't easy for me to tell my mother, you need a shower, okay? I had to prepare everything in order for it to happen. So could you give us some tips? Let's start with the shower and bathing. What would be some really good tips for that? Well, as I said before, I think it's important to, before you give anybody a shower that has dementia, I hope that your bathroom has been assessed to see that it's safe, 
Okay. And you can do that. I mean, handrails, um, bath uh, chairs, raised toilet seats are extremely important. And that's something that you can call your local CLSC to have a physio or an occupational therapist come in to assess the bathroom. So you want to make sure that that's it. Um, now, you know that um, like for a shower, for example, once you have all these uh, aids in the bathroom, um, it's, you know, it's kind of nice to say with my mother would work, I would say to her, we're having a spa day today. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about, you know, you haven't had a shower in a couple of days and it's really important that we, we do that or uh, put them in a situation where you sometimes even... I've heard uh, caregivers say, you know, you really smell bad. It's time to take a shower. I wouldn't suggest saying that. Mm -hmm. so, which is which often happens, right? Like, yeah. I think it's so many families because they don't understand what's happening. That's the go-to. It's you haven't had a shower all week or you smell or, you know, like it's it's because people don't understand. the or, yeah. or people are coming over. You got to look good, you know. These are all the things. Well, the important thing is to keep the sensory issues. That was very good what you sort of said about sensory. Now, one of the most important thing is that, believe it or not, the temperature of the of the water is so important because what might feel, um, it might feel too hot for some people, too cold. So you've got to really gauge that. So a lot of times preparing things ahead of time. Like, for example, preparing the towels. Um, some caregivers put on music in the bathroom, which really creates that atmosphere, something. Come on, let's go and listen to some music. Uh, lighting is also very important in the bathroom as well. Now, as I said before, if they look into the mirror and they feel frightened, then cover the mirror if, you're go if that's going to help uh, that particular day, if you know that that's what's going to trigger them getting your towels ready, getting the soap, getting the shampoo. Obviously, baby shampoo is better so it doesn't sting. Uh, the washcloth, get yourself organized. Sometimes we talked about smell and sensory. Some caregivers, and I did that myself, you can put some sort of, if there's a nice um, odor that they like, a smell, any kind of thing that you could sort of either spray or a candle is really, really nice. So you're taking the time to do that. And then it's a matter of trying to get them in and talking to them as well, distracting them many times if they sort of, you see, they're starting to get agitated. This one I'll never forget. A caregiver said that her mother loved strawberries. She would bring a bowl of strawberries to the bathroom. And every time mom became a little agitated, she'd say she would actually distract her, give her the strawberry healthy right she would eat it and then get back to um to to the everyday shower that took place so lucy just want to go back to because we know that for whatever reason uh you know for somebody to stand under the shower head it causes a lot of distress for for certain persons living with dementia so that's when you were talking about prepare the bathtub like it may get to a point where you want to put a chair inside the bathtub or the shower yeah. and then use a handheld right and maybe cover Absolutely. the person, right? So, so it's about switching out from that shower head to like a handheld, and and maybe you know I think that we're, I mean you know imagine just being exposed, being you know fully exposed. I think 
you know, they maybe perhaps put, wrap a towel, keep the person warm so they don't feel fully exposed and just wash body part at a time with that. Well, it's, you know, it's very, very important. You know, as the, as the uh, dementia progresses, you're going to see changes in them. Whereas before they would have been very much what you said, go under the shower. And now they are afraid. So a bath chair is really important. A hand shower is important. It is very important to make sure that you protect their dignity. Very important. And to allow them to do as much as possible. I believe that wholeheartedly. Let them do whatever they can for as long as they can. So yes, definitely put a towel over them. Give them a washcloth. You can put the soap on it. Ask them to um, to clean themselves, especially their private parts. Be gentle and very, very, um, in many ways, you know, your voice says a lot the way you talk. Your mannerism says a lot. Be very conscious about that. They might not understand your words, but they will understand your gestures. And if you talk to someone in a calm voice and a loving way, it's and you're not as harsh and you don't come across like that, it'll, you know, it's something that will reassure them. I don't have any like fixed formula. This is something that you need to go. Each person is so very different. But it's so important to be gentle, respectful. Tell this person what you're doing step by step. I don't know if you, but when I go to the dentist, I tell them, I want to know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Once yeah. I can't talk anymore. So please tell me you're going to now put the injection in my mouth. You're going to do the drill. The same thing goes. So really, and again, the temperature is so important. Mm -hmm. Obviously, use products that are safe. Don't put any oil products on your where so they can get super, nice, yeah. where they can slip. Um, now, if the person is really, really refusing a shower, then do a sponge bath. There are these amazing products now for adults. Um, they're wipes, where baby wipes before you couldn't flush them, but now you can. Um, you can get them in any Walmart, anywhere, uh, adult uh, wipes. Because at the end of the day, what you're trying to do with a shower or a sponge bath or any of these uh, hygiene is to really make sure that people don't get infections, all right? Uh, you go to the bathroom and if you don't clean yourself properly, many times for women, wiping the wrong way can cause urinary tract infection. And before you know it, you're in a really terrible situation. They're more confused and they need to go to the doctor. The same thing goes with men. So all these things, all these little products, all these little things that you can sort of outline Schedule is also extremely important. Scheduling, the scheduling activities is important. So let's uh, segue into now getting dressed and what you said earlier about letting persons should be able to do as much as they can for as long as they can. Yeah. And yeah. dressing becomes a big argument with some people because I see family members who get mad at their mom or their father the way they dress, right? But I feel, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if how they are dressing isn't hurting themselves or anybody else, just let it be, right? And I remember my mother would change her clothes like five times a day. She just, because it gave her joy to go to her closet and just change her clothes, right? And and play with them. Or, or some people become very protective of their wardrobe. They don't want anybody to go into them. So what would what would be some of your tips in terms of having somebody 
like encouraging a person to change their clothes more frequently? Uh, What would you say to that? Well, I love what you said about your mother, the joy of changing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, really for me, it really doesn't matter what my mother wore, especially in the house. It didn't matter if it was going outside and was cold day and she wasn't dressed, dressed it like it was summer. Yes. But otherwise, as long as the clothes were clean, you know, uh, she loved a couple of outfits. So I went and bought the same outfit. There was like four of them. Does it really matter as long as it made her feel good? But I think it's so. Uh, going back, I think it's so important to allow them to choose their clothes for as long as possible. Okay. Um, always give them a choice, uh, especially if you're going out. So if you want two sweaters or three sweat, whatever it is. Another really good tip is if you want them to maintain their independence for as long as possible, is lay out the clothes in order. Mm-hmm. So you put on the uh, underwear, the socks, the things first, the things like that. Again, it takes patience and you need to have time. Um, And going back to what you said with your mother, with lots of clothes, sometimes it's not beneficial to have so many clothes. So sometimes it's better to remove a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of clothes in my cupboard that I wear once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't and eventually give them to charity. But so remove a lot of clothes. It becomes a little bit too um, complicated. And and I think that it's important to buy clothes that are easy to wear. Okay. Um, zippers, buttons are, are not that great. So pants with, um, you know, that have elastic, um, and I think also if you if you want them to maintain their independence, maybe put colored things together. All right. So like if it's white or or, or red or whatever it is, and 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 to give them the choice, but to make it easier for them. So again, Velcro um, zippers that you know these are not all great things. So that things that are easy to put on and take off. Now. One, this is from a caregiver, not from me. What she would do, she would label with pictures the drawers that the clothes were in. So she would put a picture of the underwear, of the shirts, and she would say, his name was George. You know, George, why don't you go and get your underwear? And he couldn't, you know, so he would look at that. Again, as things change, um, it is becomes more difficult. Like ties and belts and things. Uh, like hang them up so it's easy to uh, to do that. So these are just a few tips that uh, work for some people and hopefully uh, they will for you as well. I think what's important for people to understand is that said, as the disease evolves, more and more prompting will be required. Like you said, lay the clothes out on the bed because it, it again, part of the activities of daily living and the changes of the brain, the person is no will no longer be able to say, okay, I have to put my underwear and my socks and then I put my shirt and all of that becomes very difficult. And, and that's why many people just stay in their same clothes. Some people go to bed wearing the same clothes that they have during the day. They don't, they may not recognize that their clothes smell or that their clothes are dirty. And it's just, so the tasks are more difficult and you can't just say to somebody, change your clothes. <laughs> like it's like, they will need prompting, right? It's so important for people to understand that. Absolutely. Prompting and uh, not putting too much emphasis on. And as I said, um, 
Sometimes it is difficult to get them to undress and take their clothes off. But with distraction um, and, and just being gentle and patient. So let's talk about um, oral hygiene now. You know, you mentioned the dentist earlier. So, um, I mean, that could become a bit difficult, right? As time goes on to have somebody brush their teeth, what would you recommend? You know, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that poor oral care affects your whole body. People don't recognize that, that if you have an infection in your mouth, it can go into your bloodstream mm -hmm. and affect every organ in your body. So that's why it's so important to make sure um, that you take care of, um, of the oral health. Now, the other thing is, if someone doesn't want to brush their teeth and we're brushing their teeth, if they have teeth, obviously, um, all of a sudden they might not want to eat and you don't really understand why. So oral care affects the ability sometimes to eat. And so it is uh, it's something that you should really think about. Now, I really feel very strongly that it's important, as important as taking um, your loved one every year for a checkup to the doctor, it's as important to go to the dentist. And it's important to find some, there are dentists that deal with uh, people with dementia. It's so important to let them know ahead of time, to let the staff know as well that the person has difficulty and how could to make it, you know, make appointments, maybe um, when it's convenient for you, maybe towards the end of the day. So there aren't a lot of people there. Um, and, and to be, to be able to stay with them as well. So th that's part of the oral care. So how do you take care of that? Okay. Now you want to get them to brush their teeth. Now, a good way is to actually do it together with them. Meaning you pick up your toothbrush, you put your toothpaste on, you give it to them as well. At the same time, you can do it together by brushing. Now, sometimes even an electric toothbrush is really good as long as it doesn't frighten them. Okay. It's much easier to do. And you can help with that. You can help with support. Again, it's the way your mannerism is how you approach this mm -hmm. gently. If it's music that helps, then put on some music at that time. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Now, that's another tip from a caregiver. Don't forget, I've been doing this for years. So I've got tons of tips from caregivers. One caregiver would actually uh, put her husband in, uh, in the kitchen. Uh, he was sitting on the chair. And there was a bowl of water at the table with a glass. And she would actually help him from behind to brush his teeth and rinse his mouth and things like that. Now, there are all kinds of swabs that are available as well uh, with fluoride in them. You have to ask the pharmacist, don't buy anything over the counter without asking first. So these are also okay to swab the mouth if it becomes difficult. Obviously, I'm sure everybody knows that if the person has dentures, uh, you put them in the water with polydent just to make sure that they're uh, clean and fresh. So these are the things that are important to keep in mind. So I'd really like to, because uh, I only have time for one more question, Lucy, but I, I would really like, because I really encourage the viewers to go to mcgill.ch slash dementia and see the Caring Conversations episode that Lucy did with her colleague, Joanne Besner, because you were able to even take questions from the audience and 
it's so it's so thorough. So one one important point that I'd like to discuss is how does a caregiver know when the needs of the person living with dementia may exceed the capabilities of the care that the family member is able to provide, right? Because it, it may get to the point where it's just not possible, right, for the person to do all this care. So what are those signs? Well, a lot of those signs are when you, the caregiver, feel that you can no longer continue doing this for different reasons. And let's look at that a little bit closer. Like, let's say you have all the tips in the world and they've been working for a while, but they stopped working now. Now, you yourself are putting yourself at risk physically by having to lift that person and it's difficult by them becoming possibly verbally, physically, sexually aggressive towards you. That's difficult, very, very difficult to handle. And nobody shall have to go through that because all it can do is escalate even your behavior. You can get angry with them and that's not what you want. You want to protect yourself, but you want to protect that person as well. Now, the other thing many caregivers, when it comes to the point when the person becomes incontinent um, and you need to either wear, for some it works, they can protective uh, adult pads are fine and that you don't feel, but when it becomes an issue. But at the end of the day, it's really how you feel. I always say in this relationship, there are two people and you need to balance it off. One does not uh, outbalance the other. If you really, really feel that you're getting angrier, you're frustrated, you're, you're in a way kind of even frightened of what the future looks like, it's time to get some help and support. It doesn't mean that you can't continue caregiving, but you cannot continue caregiving the way you are right now. Something needs to be put in place. And that's the time when, you know, we all need help and even myself, I was a professional, knew exactly what to do, but there came a point when I needed help and I reached out for it. Your local CLSC is a wonderful place to start by getting an evaluation in the home, having that support, and to look at what are the short-term goals that I want to achieve for myself and the person that I'm caring for. The long-term goals, we'll see what happens later. So I think is care for yourself first and foremost because if you don't care for yourself you're not going to take care of that person the way they should be and both of you can be put at risk i know and that's such wise words lucy because so many people feel tremendous guilt right that only i should be caring for my husband my wife my mother my father only i should do it but sometimes it's just not possible right i mean it's just not possible and if you don't take the best quality of care of yourself how are you going to able to take care of the person that you, you know that you love or that whether that's a family member or a neighbor or a relative but it all comes down to you right but there's the guilt plays such a big role sometimes which is unfortunate absolutely and that's why if you are a caregiver you should listen to caring conversations we talk a lot about this guilt feelings the anger and what i want to say is that you're allowed to feel this way give yourself permission it's the first step to getting to dealing with your feelings. Um, anyways, Lucy, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And once again, I think for the 
third or fourth time, I cannot encourage people enough to have a look at Caring Conversations, all the past episodes, and there's been quite a few now that you filmed with Joanne, are available yeah. on demand at mcgill.ca slash dementia. It's just such a wonderful initiative. I know if I could just say our next one is about them, about delusions, hallucinations, and paranoia, which does happen sometimes with dementia. It's really an important subject. So I hope you all tune in. So thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stuart. This webcast is an initiative of the McGill Dementia Education Program, which is funded by private donations. If you would like to make a contribution to our program or for more information, please visit us at mcgill.ca slash dementia. And if you would like to join our mailing list to be notified about upcoming episodes of McGill Cares, as well as upcoming episodes of Caring Conversations, please email us at dementia at mcgill.ca. Thank you for watching.